We're so glad you guys have made it. I want to say hello to all of our campuses real quick. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars guys. We love you guys. Grateful for you. I'm so glad to have you guys here for this brand new series talking about the proof of God. And uh, thanks for coming out. I want to especially thank a certain group of people. I want to thank you if a friend or a family member or, or just a neighbor or someone invited you and maybe you don't believe in God or you don't believe in the Bible and you, you tend to lean towards science instead of God and that's maybe been your hang up. I want to thank you because if you're a scientist or scientific minded person and you're here today, you're actually showing us you're truly open-minded. You truly want to see where the facts take you. And I just want to say that's amazing because the truth is today people are biased. And so now before I go any further, you may say, hold on, pastor, you're a pastor. You teach the word of God. So obviously you're totally biased. I'll tell you what, I'll admit my bias if you'll admit yours. All of us have a bias. None of us look at the truth without having some assumptions built into it. We're gonna talk about that a little bit today, but I wanna start off by saying, try to let the facts take you where they take you. And so I wanna encourage you today, also those of you who are believers that are here today and that are Christ followers already, maybe you're saying, well, I don't need this because I already believe in God. I don't need any more facts than I already have. Well, maybe this will just inform your faith and give you some more knowledge uh, for when someone throws something in your face about science, you can say, about that, let me, let me, let's talk about that. And so I wanna give you some information that, that I really believe can help you, but all of us favor one side or the other typically. And so, but you know what, what's happened over the years is that we used to frankly look like fools as believers because we would just automatically say the Bible says. And people say, well, I don't believe the Bible. And so when we said the Bible says, that just that discounted our view to people. And so it's kind of like, can you imagine watching a cruise ship? If you see this giant cruise ship going along and you see people jumping out of the cruise ship, a perfectly good ship, right? And they're getting in these small lifeboats. You would think they are so foolish to do that in these rough waters. Why wouldn't they stay on the cruise ship? Only to see a few minutes later that the cruise ship hits a rock and begins to sink. And then the fools suddenly seem smart that actually took the, the lifeboat, right? And the people who seem smart now look really foolish. There's a truth that you have to understand. And the reason why this is important to study this is because all of our ships are going down one day. None of us are going to be on this earth forever. So you may want to figure this out. You may want to figure out if there's a creator or not so you can make sure that you are good with him before you leave this earth. It's a big deal. And so that's why I wanna talk about this today. And so let's say our mission statement together, which just fits perfectly in tune with what we're talking about. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Look at this first verse. I wanna give you a scientific verse today. Jeremiah 10, 12. But the Lord made the earth by his power. The Lord made the earth by his power. That's a bold scientific statement that many scientists disagree with. First of all, they say there is no Lord, many people. And the second thing is, and he certainly didn't make the earth. And so then they begin to try to tell us about evolution or they try to tell us about you know, the, the, this uh, theory or that theory. And so I'm gonna unpack some of that today. Next week, we're gonna go into debunking evolution. It's actually not hard to do. And so we're gonna talk about that next week. And so uh, be sure to be here for that. But let's talk today about proof that God exists and really proof of creation. First Corinthians 1.19 says this, as scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this lead the philosophers, the scholars, the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. God chose the things of the world, uh, excuse me, God chose things that the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. So I'd like to talk from the standpoint of a fool today, and I get to be the foolish one to confound the wise today. 
because really you don't have to have a scientific background to see the truth that there must have been a creator. Now, I'm not going to argue today who I think the creator is yet. I mean, I believe that it's the God of the Bible, but that's really not my biggest argument today. My biggest argument is to argue that there is a God. Then we'll figure out who that God is next. But let's just first of all argue whether there even is a God today. So plot your notes if you will. I'm going to give you some things to write down. I'm going to go really fast. I speak about 350 words a minute with Gus up to 750. So here we go. So <laughs> the first scientific fact I want to give you is this. The universe has a beginning. Would you write that down? The universe has a beginning. That is a scientific fact now. It used to not be. There used to be what's called, and there still is out there, called the steady state theory, which says that the earth just always existed, that the universe just always existed, that the sun and the moon just always existed, that the orbit always existed. And so scientists believe this, many of them, and wanted to believe that. And it's, it's typically called in today's terms, the steady state theory, that energy just is a steady state. We now know that is actually not the case. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So there was a finite beginning. Now, the biggest evidence that there is a God is found in what the father of modern science, Francis Bacon, called the law of causality. What is science? Science is finding the cause behind, right, the effects, right? So we want to know what's the cause of cancer so we can solve this, right? What's the cause? I mean, right now people are saying, what's the cause of hurricanes, right? be really great if we could figure that out because it helps us determine when one's coming and to get prepared for it. And, and of course, we, we do know meteorologists actually have discovered most of that, but they still have some questions on it. Francis Bacon said this, true knowledge is knowledge by causes. So what I'd like to argue today is what caused the world? What caused the universe? Is there a great causal factor involved? And I believe that there is. And so this is also typically called, if you want to Google this sometime, the cosmological argument. Cosmological just means cosmos. In other words, proof that there's a God because of the cosmos. What does that mean? That means the universe, that means the stars in the sky, the planets, the orbital system, the earth rotation, all those things actually lead us to believe that there must be a God. This is the cosmological argument. It's a big fancy word. Turn to first section and say cosmological argument. Let them know right now. It's a big word. Not to be confused with the cosmetology argument. <laughs> that just means no more mullets. That's what that means. Okay, so the cosmological argument. Here are the three uh, principles of that. First is that everything that had a beginning had a cause. The universe had a beginning, and therefore the universe had a cause. And so let's unpack that. I want to give you five facts today, five scientific discoveries that are almost inarguable at this point. The evidence is so obvious that you would be unfortunately showing a tremendous bias to go against the facts. And so I now wanna give you facts, and here's what's great about this. What I'm about to prove to you is that science, which people used to use, used to, use to run away from the belief in God, is now proving there is a God. So the very science that was supposed to make you not believe is now forcing scientists that don't believe to believe. It's gotten so good. Our science is that good now that we actually now have proof of God. You can argue it on the front end, but I don't think you're going to be able to argue this on the back end when I'm finished because not because I'm so smart, the science is that good. And so, and I want to first of all tell you too, if you're used to coming to church and hearing a lot of scripture, you're not going to hear a lot of scripture today. You know why? Because I'm talking to the person who doesn't believe in that. And so I want to show you that we have proof of God without the Bible. And the scripture I'm going to use today is simply going to support it to show you that it's in line with what the Bible already said. The most scientific book that's probably ever been created is this one, the Bible. 
There's all kinds of scientific proof throughout the Bible. We're going to talk more about that next week. One of the most scientific books of the Bible is the book of Job. It talks about the Leviathan. talks about all kinds of things. So we're going to talk about that next week as well, about dinosaurs. And so really cool stuff. So don't, don't miss the entire series. But let me give you five uh, simple things that have been discovered through science that we believe uh, backs up the, the argument that because of the cosmos, because of the universe, we know that there must be a God. Here it is. First of all, the second law of thermodynamics says this. Uh, one, of the, one of the effects of the th second law of thermodynamics is this. The total entropy of an isolated system can never decrease over time. Entropy means breakdown. Things break down. The total entropy of an isolated system can never decrease over time. In all spent spontaneous processes, the total entropy increases and the process is irreversible. So the breakdown happens. If you want to see the law of entropy, look at my body. I am breaking down. Right? We are all breaking down. Some of us have more entropy than others, right? But the truth is, is that once you hit puberty and sort of hit your, your prime, then what happens? Your body begins to break down. Your system is not created to last forever. If you see a Ferrari, that is a very nice car, very well built. But if you think you're going to drive that thing for 50 years without having a breakdown, you're crazy. It will break down. Even though it's one of the most fine-tuned machines there are, even that fine-tuning will break down. And so understand that this breakdown tells us that there must have been a beginning point that it was at its height of creating, right? The height of creation for a Toyota is the day you drive it off the lot, right? And guess what happens to the value of that car when you drive it off the lot? It goes down. Why is that? Because now they know this is going to be at risk and it's just a matter of time until it, it breaks down in some area. Some cars last longer than others, but they all eventually break down. So that they have the law of entropy happening. So the law of entropy is this. With time, things naturally fall apart. And so Geisler and Turek, uh, in their book, I Don't Have the Faith to Be an Atheist, which I lean heavily upon for this, for this message, by the way. They said this aspect of the second law of thermodynamics also tells us that the universe had a beginning. Since we still have some order left, just like we still have some usable energy left, the universe cannot be eternal because if it were, we would have already reached complete disorder or entropy by now. In other words, the world is like a flashlight you left on all night. There's energy left, but it's not the same amount of energy you had last night, right? It's starting to dim. And so let me show you some scripture that backs that up. Then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. When he began, it was like, it's good, it's great. But then guess what happened? Man chose to sin, which meant when man chose to sin, God was no longer sustaining the perfection of his creation because of sin. Genesis 3, 17 says, God said, since you have listened to your wife and ate from the tree uh, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat. We're going to just skip over that right now. I don't want to unpack why it's sinful. Listen to your wife. That's really not what I want to do today. So <laughs> the ground is cursed because of you. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat from its grains. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust and to dust you'll return. He's going to say, because sin came in the world, everything that I made that's so perfect, is now going to entropy. Why? Because I'm not here to, to constantly sustain it in its perfection anymore, which means that it's a great system I created, but systems break down. You can have a beautiful garden, but if you, don't, if you leave it un, untended, what's going to happen to it? It's going to break down, right? You're going to start off brown, green and it's going to go brown real fast. I have a brown thumb. It's going to go, not literally, I mean, obviously I'm a white boy, but you know what I'm saying. And so it's going gonna, it's gonna to ruin over time, right? If you, you're going to have weeds grow up and it's going to be, ah, this is just a mess, right? Because why? It's entropy, okay? Number one is this. The universe is running out of gas. It's running out of energy. If a car 
is full of gas and it runs out of gas, isn't the evidence that a car ran out of gas proof that someone at one time put gas in it? Right? Wouldn't that be a natural cause? You say, well, yeah, I mean, you know, oh, this car is running. Well, then there's a natural cause that someone gassed it up. Also, someone made it. The evidence that there's a Ford Motor Company is driving all around you today because you see a Ford truck. You're like, well, someone made that. The evidence that, that, that there's a, a maker of that Ford is the fact that they're driving around. Because how can those act, well, you know, let's just, let's just go to a body parts store, just throw all the parts in a room together, and if we just give it enough time, eventually a Ford will come out of that. That's what you've been told. That's what you've been told. But that's far fewer parts that we're supposed to believe just come together on their own with no creator than the world. Far fewer parts. <laughs> Ford Motor Company, their most complicated car they have, doesn't come close to the amount of parts it takes just to have an eyeball on a human, just one, one eyeball. Did you know that? And yet, here we are, functioning, healthy. Isn't that crazy? Like, how, how is that an accident? And so there's evidence in the world today, the universe is running out of energy. In other words, it's not a steady state. They have proved this to be the case. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 20. It says, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up into the present time. I think the uh, world has been groaning in the last week. Would you agree? Look at the weather system, right? And so there's some breakdown happening. Okay, so the first thing we know is that since we know that the world uh, is actually the universe itself is running out of energy, then that means there must have been a beginning. It's not eternal. Does that make sense? How many of you guys know that we're running out of oil? Right? Now, there's a lot left, right? And we could argue how much we have left, but can we all agree that there's a finite amount that we're running out? So if the world was eternal and always existed, wouldn't all that oil be gone by now? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be used up by now? Because, I mean, if, if, if there were millions, small million, I mean, wow, we, we would have depleted this a long time ago if that were the case. And I'm just talking about, oh, we're not talking about all the other things that, that uh, have energy as well. Number two, Einstein's theory of general relativity proved that the universe has a beginning and was not eternal, therefore disproving the steady state theory. He did this in 1916, by the way. A couple things you need to know about Einstein. Einstein found his calculations irritating. I find that funny. Why would you be irritated by the result you found in the science project unless you had a, an intent of what you wanted it to be versus what it actually is? In other words, sounds like Einstein had a bias. He didn't want to discover that there must be a creator, but he, he stumbled upon it. He wanted the universe to be eternal and realized that it was not. Since he didn't like this, he created a mathematical fudge factor. Do you know that Einstein cheated? He created what's called a fudge factor. This fudge factor was later uncovered to be untrue by a British cosmologist named Arthur Eddington just a few years later. Eddington's solar eclipse discovery just a few years later confirmed the theory of relativity, which bothered him. Again, why are these scientists bothered by what they're discovering? I thought it was just the pursuit of truth wherever it takes us. And why are you so bothered by this truth? Because they had a bias going in that everything that they could discover had to be material. And they realized, wait a minute, this, there's some things that that I can't put my hands on, there must be a, a creator. It, it, it bothered him. And so he said this, in fact, this is a quote from Eddington, philosophically, the notion of a beginning of the present order of nature is repugnant to me. I should like to find a genuine loophole. Wow, that's a bias. 
1922, mathematician Alexander Friedman exposed the fudge factor of Einstein. He's the one that first really showed the world, since no one else was smart enough to do his equations. All of a sudden, this guy comes along and gets equations, and he basically said, you know what Einstein did to make sure that all, all this matched? He did the fudge factor. He multiplied everything by zero, which even the grade school student knows you're not supposed to do that in math. And so he did that. So the, the theory of relativity, once you take out the fudge factor, is proven to the fifth decimal point, by the way. And so it, it's, it's definitely proven. Nin 1927, uh, something else happened. Edwin Hubble, you guys heard of the Hubble telescope? Anyone ever heard of that? The guy who they named that after, Edwin Hubble, using his telescope, proved Einstein's theory of an expanding universe. And Einstein himself traveled to California's Mount Wilson to look for himself. The red shift proved an expanding universe was, was and is obvious for any observer. There was a, if you, if you look at the universe through this telescope, you see this red shift happening. It's, in other words, basically, it's, it's, it's like slow motion. You're seeing movement happen. Here's what we discovered. We discovered that the universe is constantly expanding in every direction. Now, if you go to a bomb site, you know how they can find where the bomb is? Because it's expanding in every direction from that point, right? So if you see something and it's expanding in every direction, if you were to record that like a movie, you'd see going out in every direction. Now rewind the movie. Whoa, this is what you call what? The Big Bang. So here's my question. If there's a Big Bang, who pulled the trigger? Who caused that to happen? And so everything expands out one direction, which means someone set something off. Something, someone larger than the universe set it off to cause it to happen. And I like to say it this way, God said it and bang, it happened. And so God put it into motion, but that's my bias. But what's not a bias is that it did happen this way and Einstein theory of relativity proved that there was no steady state theory. Number three, the universe is expanding which supports a big bang. So who pulled the trigger? Isaiah 40, 22 said this years before they discovered this in science. God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain. And by the way, th this is important to understand this. The universe is not expanding into space. No, no, no. Space itself is expanding. So what we're studying every year is getting bigger because it's still spreading out in every direction. Job 9, verse 8 says, He alone spread out the heavens. Most of us didn't notice that language before. We've always heard where it says God made the heavens and the earth, but we didn't realize that there's more specific than that. It's He spread it out. So it's almost like you took a sheet, just like you're making your bed, and you spread it out, and there's ripples in that sheet when you do it, right? And you can see the evidence because that sheet was crumpled up on the bed, now it's spread out. There's evidence that someone came along and spread it out. And that's exactly what God did or a creator. So the universe is expanding. By the way, next week, don't miss. I'm excited about next week. We're talking about debunking evolution. We're going to talk about dinosaurs. We're also going to talk about the age of the earth. A lot of people have questions about that. So be sure to be here for that. Look what happens next in 1965. They knew that if there was a big bang, then there must be implications from that. So they said, if there is a big bang, then there must be residue. Bombs create residue. Did you know that? Uh, particles are, are slammed against windows and slammed against cars and slammed against walls, right? And so you see this residue everywhere showing you, yeah, clearly there was a big bang here earlier. And so it creates a residue, and we know with energy that would create a, a radiation residue. You know, there's, you know what they tell you not to do? They tell you not to stick your face right down in the, in the microwave while something's cooking. Why? Because you may get what? Radiation. So they're like, yeah, don't do that. Now, hopefully good microwaves have good blocking systems, but there's still some leakage. And so they tell you, don't, don't do that because you're, you're getting that radiation. One of the biggest concerns people had with cell phones early on was how much radiation are we getting right next to our 
our, our head because we're, you know, we're, we're on the cell phone because there's radiation with energy. Arno Penzias and Robert Wilson, two Bell Lab scientists in Homedale, New Jersey, just stumbled upon radiation first, assumed to be bird droppings on their antenna. After cleaning it off, the radiation was still there. They stumbled upon the afterglow from the Big Bang fireball explosion. This discovery was the confirmation of the Big Bang theory, making it a fact so significant that it won them the Nobel Prize that year. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. They were just trying to wipe off some bird droppings and discovered proof of the Big Bang Theory. The technical name for this is called cosmic background radiation. It's hard for you and I to see it with the human eye, the naked eye, but with, with telescoping technology, they can see it. It's pretty amazing when you think about it. And so Robert Jastrow was a founder of uh, NASA's Goddard Institute of Space Studies. So notice I'm not quoting the Bible right now, I'm quoting NASA. We're quoting some of the smartest people in the world today. He said, no explanation other than the Big Bang has been found for the fireball radiation. The clincher, which has convinced almost the last doubting Thomas, is that the radiation discovered by Penzias and Wilson has exactly the pattern of wavelengths expected for the light and heat produced in a great explosion. Supporters of the steady state theory, those are the people that believe, no, no, there couldn't be a crater, the world's just always existed, right? Supporters of the steady state theory have tried desperately to find an alternative explanation, but they have failed. At the present time, the Big Bang Theory has no competitors. And so the truth is, this guy, oh, and by the way, Robert Jastrow is an, is an agnostic. He does not believe in a God. And yet he's saying, I can't deny where this fact is taking me. And so, number four, radiation from the Big Bang. It's an obvious evidence to the Big Bang. Then they said, okay, now that we have this radiation evidence, there must be some more evidence. And they thought, you know, one thing we know about nuclear bombs, we know about uh, giant heat seeking missiles. We know this about microwave, uh, you know, cooking, right? We know that when you cook something, when you have great heat and explosion, you have waves of heat, which means that when you cook your meatloaf today in your microwave, there's hot spots and what? cold spots. Why? Because a wave went through it, and so part of it got hot, and part of it stayed cold. And so that, that's why you, they, that, why you think they have a turning dish. Because you know if it just sits flat, well, this part will be hot, really hot, and this part will be cold. So they have to turn it to make sure those waves hit every part of it. Because heat and explosions create a wave. So they thought, if this is true, if what we found is, is that there's a big bang, the universe expanding in every direction, and we have now the evidence that there's a Big Bang because the steady state theory proves it. But also, now we also know that we have this radiation uh, that we see, this residue of this Big Bang. Then there also must be evidence of a wave in our universe. So they were so confident in this, in this theory that they had at the time that they spent $200 million at NASA just to discover this one thing. And so they wanted to know whether this really did exist. If the Big Bang Theory exists, then scientists predicted there would be slight variations of temperature in the universe or ripples. In 1989, NASA launched a $200 million COBE satellite, stands for Cosmic Background Explorer. George Smoot, lead astronomer on the project, announced COBE's findings, and it made news all over the world. He said, if you're religious, it's like looking at God. This guy's not a believer. But he had to admit, he's like, there it is, right in front of me. They found that the universe, in fact, I want to show you a picture real quick. That's the Kobe satellite picture. Now, before you think, oh, that's a picture of, the, of a world or the planet. No, actually, that's the lens. That's the entire universe shot that we took, that they took through the Kobe satellite. And uh, they, they did this through an infrared 
heat picture. And so you can see, obviously, where there's heating, where there's cooling. And you can see clearly that there are pockets of both, which is a sign of waves. It's not steady. There's no steady state, which means that someone began the universe and everything went out from there in waves in every direction, which means that there must be a creator. He went on to say this. He said, if you're religious, it looks like you're looking at God. University of Chicago astrophysicist Michael Turner said of the findings, the significance of this discovery cannot be overstated. They have found the holy grail of cosmology, uh, and cosmology is a study of the cosmos. Stephen Hawking, how many of you guys know that guy doesn't believe in God? Stephen Hawking said this about it. He called it the most significant discovery of the century, if not all time. In other words, here's a smoking gun. State state theory is dead. There had to be a big bang. Someone had to start it. And so they were so precise that Smoot, the guy who ran this uh, satellite for NASA, also called them the machining marks from the creation of the universe, and he also called it the fingerprints of the maker. Wow. This is scientific evidence that there is a God who spread out the heavens. Number five, great galaxy seeds, also known as ripples. This is discovered in 1989. Do you know how current that is? Do you understand in the scientific realm? That's like yesterday. We're still quoting Newton. We're still quoting the guy that wrote a book on evolution, right? Darwin? You know how old that is? You know how old that, that technology was when he wrote that theory? And yet we still bank everything on that antiquated concept? So we have new technology that's proving otherwise. More on that next week. But basically, this proves to us that there are fingerprints of the maker, great galaxy seeds, discovered in 1989. It was also confirmed in 2003 uh, with more studies. And they also said, this is interesting, they said it's so specific they could not believe how specific the waves were. It was so obvious. It's just, just imagine taking a ball and dropping it in water, and what happens? It ripples out in every direction. I was laying this summer, we were on vacation, I was laying in a really nice piece of water, this beautiful area, and uh, in a coastal area, and as I laid there, the water was real still, I was in a little inlet, and all of a sudden, my raft just goes, woo, and I was like, whoa, what happened? And I looked up immediately to say, where's the boat? Because I knew, when my raft rippled, what does that mean? That's the effect. There's a cause. Somewhere, someone drove by and created a ripple. If you have ripples in the universe, who drove by? Who caused it? There has to be a great cause. With these five simple principles, this is the scientific conclusions that NASA, Robert Jastrow, and other scientists came to discover. I'd like to quote them now. This is from Time Magazine, not exactly a pro-Bible organization. And this is what he said in his interview with them. Now we see the astronomical evidence leads to a biblical view of the origin of the world. The details differ, but the essential elements in the astronomical and biblical accounts of Genesis are the same. The chain of events leading to man commenced suddenly and sharply at a definite moment in time and a flash of light and energy. He went on to say this, Astronomers now find that they have painted themselves in a corner. 
because they have proven by their own methods that the world began abruptly in an act of creation to which you can trace the seeds of every start, planet, every living thing in the cosmos and on the earth. And now they have found that all this happened as a product of forces they cannot hope to discover, that there are what I or anyone would call supernatural forces at work is now, I think, a scientifically proven fact. It's a scientifically proven fact that there had to be a creator. How great is that to know your faith is backed up by science now? God created the world. God created the heavens and the earth. Robert Jastrow did another interview with Reader's Digest magazine. I'll close with this. And in that interview, they asked him about some of the quotes that he gave and some of his findings that were so shocking. And he said, honestly, he said, I'm an agnostic. You have to understand that. He goes, so I'm just trying to tell you the evidence I've seen, and I'll let you determine what that means for you. But basically, he, he gave an illustration at the end. He gave a story, and he said, it's almost like if you look at all the, the, the course of science over hundreds of years, he said, scientists have been climbing a mountain of knowledge, learning through one experiment after another, more and more, trying to pull themselves to the top of the mountain to say, how did the world begin? How did this all happen? And they fended off the church and the religious and said, oh, that's not true. No, we'll prove that wrong. Just give me some more experiment. Give me a little more time and I'll show you. We'll, we'll create some theories. I'll show you. Oh, yeah, this is probably how it happened. And they kept doing experiment after experiment. And only, he says, to find out that they pulled themselves to the top of the cliff. Finally, the top of the mountain, they pulled themselves all the way up to the top, only to look and see theologians were sitting there all along. Science has now proven that there is a God. Now, those of you today who are not believers, this should be evidence you have to go look at because I want to challenge you. What did I say is not truth? What discovery didn't happen? And if you piece this together, there had to be a creator. That creator happens to match the biblical account. The Bible, what the Bible says in Genesis 1, actually matches perfectly with everything that we just covered. For those of you who are already believers, I just want to challenge you with this. Maybe today you say, Pastor, I didn't need that today because I'm struggling and I'm having a hard time with my teenager. I'm having a hard time at work. I'm really struggling with depression. I'm really struggling with this area of my life. I got too much debt. I don't know what to do about this or that problem. You know, I want to tell you what this means also for you today. If, if God can fine-tune our universe to a decimal, and by the way, they also said if these wavelengths were off just by a decimal, the earth would spin out of its orbit and we would either burn up towards the sun or freeze to death away from the sun by one decimal. So we are just supposedly accidentally living in perfect life conditions. Do you really believe that? That this is an accident? I mean, I don't know what you, I don't have the faith to believe it was an accident. It's easier to believe that there's a God who created the world than to believe that all of this was an accident. For those of you who are, who are believers here today, they're struggling with something maybe totally unrelated to this. If God can keep this world spinning perfectly, for you and I to have life, then don't you think he can take care of your debt problem? Don't you think he can help you with your teenager? Don't you think he can say to you today that I have you in the palm of my hand with the rest of this world and I am your God and I love you and I will take care of you. You can trust in me. You can trust in him. You can. Would you bow your heads with me today? Maybe you are uncomfortable in a church environment. It's okay. It's all good. For years, I was uncomfortable in the scientific environment. Not any longer. Today, I want to challenge you to look at the implications that there is a creator. 
Another implication that there's a creator, by the way, is the fact that God says in Ecclesiastes that he put eternity in the hearts of every man, which means there's a reason why we're all longing to discover how the world began. And many of us don't discover why we're longing for that so much until we finally realize it's because we're longing to know our God. We're longing to know our, our creator. And so I want to challenge you today that you can receive Jesus, who is God's son. And there's historical evidence. I don't have time to go into all of it today, but there's lots of historical evidence that Jesus really did exist, died, and that he really did rise again. Lots of historical evidence of that as well. But you can receive Christ right now. Maybe you're not ready to do that, or maybe we can have a little secret between us. And the secret can be that maybe in your, among your friends and family or your community or the people you hang out with, you think, man, I can never accept Christ because my friends will think I'm crazy. I'll tell you what, we'll just keep it a secret between you and me. No one has to know. And then whenever you're ready to reveal your newfound faith, then you can do that. But don't miss the fact that God sent his son to reserve a place for you in heaven just because you're worried about what your friends will think. You can pray and you can receive Christ right now. Would you pray this prayer with me? We're going to say it out loud together. If you'd like to pray it out loud with us, you can. Or you can pray it silently in your heart. Either way is okay. And you can receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. The same God who put the world together, put you together, and the only incomplete part is your need for him. He has met that need through Jesus. You can receive Christ right now by praying this prayer. Would you pray this prayer with me? You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me, and I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen.